0: Welcome to the Contending for Christ Apologetics podcast, where Danny seeks to empower believers to defend their faith. This fight is internal, defending against false teachings that are creeping into the church as well as our hearts and minds. It is also external, with believers needing to know how they can solidify and defend their beliefs. So sit back and relax as we contend for Christ. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. If you tuned into this episode strictly based upon the trailer episode that I had posted the other day, you know, do me a favor and just pause this episode. Go ahead and type in the comment section below that, hey, you specifically tuned in based upon the trailer episode that came out on Thursday. Because what I want to do, I want to see if publishing that Thursday trailer... Is a good thing or not? Or am I just simply just wasting my time? So if you could, leave me a note in the comments saying, Hey, I checked out that Thursday trailer. I checked back in on Monday because I was really looking forward to this. That would be most extremely helpful. But thank you. But anyways, don't forget to head over to our uh, website, c 4 com c4capologetics.weebly.com. I love saying Weebly for some reason. Uh, Weebly just sounds like a fun word to say. Isn't that right, Rebecca?
1: Yes, Weebly. There Weebly, we go. Weebly. See?
0: If you don't know who that voice is, I have my favorite special guest on the episode with us today. Aww. This is my lovely wife, Rebecca. If you're familiar with our YouTube channel, I had done a surprise uh, video with her, a surprise interview. She didn't know I was interviewing her, but uh, I did, and it's out there. So if you're curious to see uh, that interview or what my wife looks like, you, know, you can go check out the YouTube <laughs> video on C4C Apologetics on YouTube. But today, we're actually going to be looking at how do we witness to strange people? (laughs) Strange people. You like that title, Rebecca? I do like
1: that.
0: Yeah, why do you like that title, Strange People?
1: Uh, I think it's very catchy. (laughs) I think it's catchy, too.
0: (laughs) You know, no, we're not talking about strange people, like if they're weird or anything, but strange as, you know, just unfamiliar to us, alien, foreign. And so basically, that's what we want to talk about today. How do we witness to people that we don't know? It's one thing to witness to like a family member, a brother, sister, spouse, mother, father, child, whatever. They, aunt, uncle. I'm running out of relatives. Do you know any other relatives? <laughs>
1: I wasn't really paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> oh, see,
0: see, my my special guest isn't even paying attention to me right now. So I was I,
1: paying attention. I just went and keeping track of all the families. Family I, members you said.
0: I forgot nephews and nieces and cousins. Okay. And well, there you go. That crazy uncle Larry and Billy Bob, Joe Bob, Bill. <laughs> So, but no, it's easier to witness sometimes to family members, but how do we engage spiritual conversations to people or with people we have no idea who they are? Is it even possible? So, you know, Rebecca, have you ever witnessed anybody?
1: I have. I have witnessed to different people. Some I didn't know. Some were strange, strangers. (laughs) (laughs) Strange people. Yes. And some, you know, I've witnessed to family and kids at church and things like that
0: did you ever find it easy or, or was, was it difficult or did it depend on which situations and why was it easy or difficult
1: uh, so yes it definitely depends um, sometimes it was easy and sometimes it was difficult uh, really um, it was only I guess you can consider it easy when it was spirit-led and just kind of a natural flow Uh, whereas if it was more like kind of forced or something like that then it was more difficult
0: seems like you read my questions because the next question I had for you was did it feel natural or did it (laughs) feel forced did you know what you were gonna say when you witnessed to the individuals or did you just blurt stuff out just hope for the best
1: okay so I can give you two examples of First off, um, when I was a volunteer at the pregnancy center, uh, we kind of had like a a questionnaire. I guess you could, an information kind of questionnaire sheet that we went over with um, new clients on their on their first appointment. And um, so, on this questionnaire, there was a section on religion, mm-hmm. and so uh, i would say that was difficult because you know these girls ladies you know they're they're coming in trying to find out if they're pregnant and we're asking them these questions and then all of a sudden we're getting into religion Uh, also just seemed
0: very like a, a weird jump there was no like segue it was like hey what's your name what's your what's your social hey what's your views on god so it was just very awkward transitions
1: Pretty much it was, I didn't feel that it was a a smooth transition and I didn't feel that it was a good time, like an appropriate time really to try to talk to them about a religion because right now all they're thinking about is, am I pregnant or not? And so in those times it was definitely definitely very difficult and not natural at all. Uh, So I, you know, I did quickly figure that out and so I adjusted and um, wouldn't always Get into religion on that first appointment. I would try to get to know, get to know them a little bit. Uh, on return of on return appointments and stuff like that, or I would just change up, change up how I like. I would still ask all those same questions, but I just changed the flow so it was more natural. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, if if you're not really feeling it and you just force it, it doesn't really seem to go so well.
0: It just seems awkward, huh?
1: Yes, yeah, very awkward.
0: So, was there a time when you witnessed that it was? pretty s- simple pretty natural
1: uh yeah actually um so a couple of years ago uh, Alyssa had a friend that was coming over all the time and we were just really loving on her and you know showing her jesus by just how how we lived and everything like that and so one night we were driving her home and they were in the back seat talking And I wasn't really paying attention. I think I even had the radio on and then just all of a sudden uh, I could hear um, Them talking about Jesus talking about heaven and um, So I was just kind of listening to see how Alyssa was responding and then uh, God just kind of really just opened the door wide up and I feel like he didn't just give me the words but like totally spoke through me <laughs> mm-hmm. and um so I ended up pulling the car over and prayed with her and led her to salvation led her to Christ right there in the van on the way to take her home. So that was what I would consider easy and definitely very natural and uh I mean it was spirit led and God just opened the door for it and uh I was just a willing vessel, and um, then it was a good opportunity to teach Alyssa.
0: What?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Sorry,
0: I had an awkward pause there for a minute. We were looking at each other, and I just got lost in her eyes. It was Whatever. just that awkward pause. But no, amen. You know, I love listening to that story of when you know you and Alyssa were able to lead one of her friends to the Lord, and mm-hmm. it, from what I remember, it wasn't the first time, and. Lord willing it won't be the last time either. Mm-hmm. But when you had mentioned, you know, just showing Jesus uh to to them, to her, mm-hmm. you no, know, it reminds me of the quote that D. L. Moody said that out of a hundred people, ninety nine uh one person will read the Bible and ninety nine will read the Christian. And another one ha- has been on record as saying that you may be the only Bible that people read. And so how are we living our life to be a witness and a reflection of Jesus? You see, when I was going through my bachelor's degree at Liberty University, one of the classes that I had to actually take was Evangelism 101. It was actually in that class we uh, had to develop what they had considered an elevator testimony. And If you're not familiar with what an elevator testimony is, is say you step into an elevator with a complete stranger or with anybody, whatever the case is. By the time the doors close you hit the button on the floor you're trying to get out and then the door is open and you get off on your floor you have that short amount of time to give your testimony to somebody riding on the elevator and so we had to develop an elevator testimony to show you know who we were before christ how we came to know christ and how we are now and what christ you know how christ had changed us and if you've never really considered your testimony or if you never really considered how to use your testimony to witness people I highly encourage you to check out my episode earlier. It's called, I can't even talk (laughs) right now. It's called experiential apologetics. And it's about using our testimony to witness. Uh, There's different methods of apologetics, different ways of witnessing, whether it's evidential, experiential, or presuppositional. And then you have classical uh, presuppositional. But To use your testimony is one of the strongest ways to witness because number one, no one can tell you or discredit your experience, but number two, you can actually relate on an emotional level with another individual because with our testimonies there's many different facets of our past life before Christ that we could use to propel the gospel message. But another thing in that evangelism 101 class was the fact that we actually had to witness to a stranger and prior to this time I've never witnessed anybody. And so, of course, going through the class and everybody uses, you know, the famous Romans Road. I remember walking up on uh, the door because we were doing it on our Saturday Go program outreach event. Normally what will happen is two guys will pair up and they'll go knock on doors, just invite people to church and just tell them a little bit about Jesus. And the guy that I was paired up to go with, he was a great uh, witness. He can speak. Uh, Good brother of mine named Mike. It was funny. I knew this was the house that the spirit wanted me to go to because Mike never had a problem witnessing, never had a problem talking. But as soon as that doorbell rang, he just got tongue-tied. He couldn't say anything. No matter what he tried to say, it just, I think it was like, you know, (laughs) sound like uh, Elmer Fudd. And so I just realized from that point it was my opportunity to go ahead and fulfill this assignment for my evangelism class. And I used Romans, uh, uh, the Romans Road to go ahead and witness. I remember being there on the doorstep with this guy, and I don't even remember if I introduced myself, but I just jumped right into it. And this guy, you know, bless his heart, he was such a nice individual, and he just let me just talk. It was a good sport. But it sounded so forced. It was so awkward, and i wanted to just complete this for the class because with it being uh, not only a college class but a christian college class i couldn't lie about the assignment i actually had to do it and i couldn't mm-hmm. plagiarize it but i ended up completing the assignment for the class but you know i've always wondered how could we make this process of witnessing less forced and less confrontational especially with somebody that we don't even know you see i'm not necessarily against confrontational witnessing other than the fact that it tends to be overbearing and it really doesn't show the love that witnessing needs to show with our example of Jesus Christ, the few methods of how to engage a complete stranger that I'm going to talk about is hopefully going to shed a little bit of light in a meaningful way to be able to engage with someone you've never met while also leaving their curiosity piqued. You know, so I pray that this is enlightening to you. It's at least another thing that you can throw into your apologetics toolkit or more properly, your evangelism or your witnessing toolkit uh, to lead people to Christ. But remember, the goal is not to save them per se, and you're probably not going to like that. Uh, but our goal isn't necessarily to save them because we don't save anybody. You know, we don't save anybody. Matter of fact, it's the, G- it's the Holy Spirit that draws the person, it's Jesus Christ who died for the person, and it's the Father that created the person. I mean, there's a triune God involved in this plan of salvation or this methodology of soteriology. Now I sound like a poet. I didn't even know it. uh, So we're not called to save people. We're called to tell people. A lot of times people will gauge their success or their failure rate of witnessing on whether or not someone becomes a believer right then and there. And that's not the case. That's not how we should be judging our success rate. We need to judge our success and failure rate on are we witnessing when we're led by the Spirit of God to actually witness? So, I want to just go ahead and preface it right there. Uh, another thing, with these methods that we're going to talk about, some apologetics uh, should be known, at least from, I would say, the evidential side. When we're talking about abstract, we're talking about the mind, we're talking about creation. You should know a little bit about that stuff. If you're unsure about any of this, check out my evidential apologetics uh, episode. Also, there's a lot of great uh, ministries out there with Christian apologetics. You could check out top ten reasons to believe in God episode that I have, as well as the I think it's top five apologetic ministries that I have, as well. But one thing when I've been I've been studying the millennial generation, and one thing that I've realized about the millennials is one of their biggest complaints, one of their biggest knocks against the church and against Christians is that we're fake, period. They think we're fake. Another thing is they think we only care about community or service, things like that. So please, when you're witnessing, don't be fake, just be real and be honest. If you don't know an answer to a question, just tell them you don't know the answer. Don't try to make stuff up, be real. So enough of that talk, what are these actual methods? Well with my lovely wife Rebecca we're actually going to act out three specific situations that you can either a invite someone to church b you can explain the actual reasonableness or the rationality of God's existence or c you can reveal the depth of Jesus's love for someone you've never even met. So I would encourage you I mean feel free to memorize these methods because uh, the key to learning is repetition and so by reading over these listening over these and everything You'll probably get more confident in actually utilizing these. Feel free to adjust them and tweak them a little bit to make them a little more personal for you as well. But first, how do you invite someone to your church? You see, many people, unfortunately, they're nervous of inviting people to their own church service, except on possibly Easter or Christmas Christmas Eve. And Why? Well, a lot of the reason is because of the fear of rejection or fear of not even knowing really what to say or how to say it. So, what is an easy method that you could use to actually invite somebody from work to your church? So, me and my lovely wife are gonna act this out. And this is Whew, I just had three meetings today at work. Sometimes these meetings just seem so so burdensome. I mean, it seems like we waste a lot of time there a lot of times. You know what are what are your thoughts about meetings at work? Are they burdensome to you? Or do you find any purpose or are they good? What What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I think meetings can be good. Uh, you, meetings are good to just discuss different things, uh, to make plans for the future, to determine problem areas at work that needs to be addressed, as well as planning parties. However, sometimes the person leading the meeting is saying nonsense or it seems to be a waste of time because nothing is really being said or decisions aren't really being made
0: yeah i feel the same way i guess i mean there are some good points to meetings i guess so you know one thing that i like hearing is goals expectations and how how as a company are we meeting those goals and expectations you know plus i guess it's good to see the direction of the company and where it's headed have you ever considered how the church is similar to a work meeting
1: uh i never really gave it much thought
0: yeah, you know, just like our work meetings, you know, we can hear plans about the future. We can hear expectations that God has for people, and we can even just fellowship with other people for, you know, try to plan parties and having fun. You know, it's, it's unfortunate, though, that some churches, they do have people saying nonsense, and just like some work meetings, you know, uh, some people, given the work meetings, they're leading them or saying nonsense, there's not much confidence. You know, some churches actually do that as well, but... You know, I'm fortunate and blessed enough to know that my church actually is not like that. We get to have a lot of great meetings each week and catch up with a lot of great friends that we haven't seen, you know, through the Monday through Friday rigamom row. You know, if you're not doing anything, I'd like to extend the invitation for you to attend our church meeting this Sunday. Did you see how easy that was? That was an easy way to invite someone to church. You started with a common ground. You see, that's what Jesus did a lot of times. He found some sort of commonality uh, with the individual that he was witnessing to or talking to. And then he took the physical, earthly, natural area and transfer, transferred it. No, he didn't transfer it. He changed the conversation to a spiritual realm. You see, if if you're not a worker and you don't attend work meetings, then like I said, personalize it you know, tailor it to your personal experience. The key in this method is to find some sign that some sort of common ground. And then you can get this stranger to agree with your experience. And then from that agreement, you can relate it to church and invite them. You don't necessarily have to ask them, Hey, are you going to come to church with me rather just (laughs) invite them, just extend the invite. You see, this next one's one that really should pique some curiosity. Hopefully so but it also might generate some questions that you may not be able to, or may not be ready to actually answer, or you might not have rebuttals to maybe some things they say. So some people may get a little nervous at this one, but if you're somewhat grounded in what you believe and why you believe it, hence, apologetics, this method is pretty simple and it's pretty easy to remember. In the method, you simply point out something that the stranger is wearing, again, finding a common ground, and you engage with that, just like this. I really like your watch. Thank you. Have you ever considered the watch's purpose or you know, why it was even designed?
1: Uh, Yeah, it tells me what time it is,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I'm not late.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'm pretty dumb for asking that question, huh? You know, who, who made that watch?
1: Uh, I think it's Casio.
0: You know, let me ask you a question. If you were to take the watch apart, how intricate and complex, do you think the mechanism would be?
1: Uh, pretty complicated. I uh, probably wouldn't, probably couldn't put it back together. Then I wouldn't have a watch anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, then you'd probably be late too, huh? Mm-hmm. You see, it's fascinating. Just as your watch was made by Casio and it has a specific purpose of telling you the time, did you know that you too were made for a purpose? And you were purposefully created by a God who loves you? You see, another fascinating thing about the watch is it design, of your watch nowhere near compares to the design of the human body. Have you ever considered the fact that DNA strands have coded information on it? That everything that makes you who you are from your skin color to your hair color to your eye color to your personality everything is coded inside your DNA strand? You know the neurological composition of your brain and the amazing complexity of the human mind and the mind's capacity to love, reason, even imagine things. So please, just I would like you to do me a favor. Every time you look at your watch to see what time it is so you're not late, can you do me a favor and just remember, there's a God that designed you for a purpose.
1: Sure. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you see, that's pretty simple. You just take a, something that an individual is wearing and you talk about it from the design aspect, whether it's a watch and it tells time whether it's a hat and it covers up the bald spot, the dandruff, or really blocks out the sun and the shade, or the sunglasses. The key to this one is to find something that the individual is wearing so you have some inroad to converse with them, and then take the design of its purpose and tie it into the design and the purpose of the individual by a God. Now, this is where they might come back and ask you some questions that. You may not be ready to answer, and that 's fine, like I said be real don 't be fake, but at least again, all you 're doing is trying to a pique their curiosity, but b tell people that 's what we 're trying to do. You see if you 're comfortable, definitely take advantage of this last part and expound upon it, revealing different ways that you know humans are are created. you know I talked a little bit about the brain, i talked a little bit about. Uh, the DNA, but feel free to go longer and more in depth and tie in how they can actually discover the God that created them. You see, this last one that I'm going to uh, talk about would be great for eating dinner at a restaurant and to be able to witness to your server. But the thing about the servers is the fact that we have very limited amount of time to go ahead and talk to them. By the time they order their food, by the time they go ahead and drop off the food, and by the time they go ahead and give us the checks, we have a very limited amount of time. And so what's a way we can actually witness to them in this very short, limited amount of time? So, it goes like this. Excuse me. May I ask you a question? Sure. You see, I was wondering what different people believe are the greatest demonstrations of love. What are some different ways one could demonstrate love? Whether it's a family, friend, spouse.
1: Hmm. You could... Bring me coffee, or you could buy me coffee. You could take me to get coffee. (laughs) Talk to me about coffee. (laughs) I like coffee.
0: So it's safe to say that the way to your heart is through coffee. Is that correct? (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask you, (laughs) would receiving flowers, gifts, or having a song written and sung by someone be a big demonstration of love?
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely.
0: What do you believe would be the greatest demonstration of love that anybody could ever show you
1: to die for another person
0: see I completely agree did you know that there's somebody by the name of Jesus who not only wants to give you the blessings of coffee (laughs) but also spend time with you by drinking coffee but most of all Jesus showed how much he loves you by dying for you 2,000 years ago you see the blessings of coffee and the ability to spend time with him over coffee are possible (laughs) by accepting the gift of salvation that he gives you. Because he showed you he loves you through the greatest demonstration of love anybody could ever show. You see, that's an excellent way not only to express the love of Christ to another person but also to demonstrate love by being loving during the conversation. Again, the goal here isn't to ask them, do you want to be saved? Rather, the goal is to give them information, show them love, Pique their curiosity, tell them that Jesus loves them. If they're seeking, or if the Spirit is working, then the conversation will continue to go. But if the conversation abruptly stops, then just stop. It's not a failure, it's a success because you've witnessed. So there you have it, three methods that you could actually use in different situations for different reasons to witness. You can invite someone to church, show them evidence of God's existence through design or reveal Jesus' love through the cross again like i said feel free to add adapt personalize the methods as you desire but remember the goal here is just to spark a conversation with an alien not a little (laughs) green man actually they're tall grays now but but to spark a conversation with a stranger with love and gentleness in these three methods we will do it just like that a non-confrontational way well i pray this episode equipped you to strengthen your witness encounters and I'd like to thank my wife Rebecca for her willingness to be on the show and I'm hoping I'm hoping you're gonna join me in some future episodes down the road. What do you think?
1: Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes.
0: <laughs> if you liked my wife on, on these episodes, let me know in the comments below. If you didn't like my wife in this episode, how dare you? <laughs> but as always, I wanna thank you for checking in and until next time.
1: God bless. Thanks for listening. We pray this ministry glorifies God and edifies you, the listener. For more great content, including videos, blogs, newsletters, and a free ebook, check out our website at c4capologetics.weekly.com. You can also email us at C4CApologetics at gmail.com with questions or ideas for future episodes. We truly appreciate you. Please like, share, and comment on this episode. And don't forget to subscribe for future episode notifications. Thanks for checking in and remember to be bold and keep contending for Christ.